That being said, please open to Revelation chapter 21. Please stand for the reading of God's holy word when you find your place. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was sitting on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and on the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations. On them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its, gate, and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, twelve thousand stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its walls, 144 cubits, by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were the twelve pearls. Each of the gates were made of a single pearl, and the, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into in the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter into it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. There will be no need of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. 
Reading the word, you may be seated. Sure, I'm sure most of us here have heard of that place down in Kentucky called Fort Knox. It's got a little bit of gold down there, we're told, right? And in actuality, it was built in by the Department of Treasury in 1937. It holds all the well, the majority of the nation's deposits of gold bullion. Gold bullion is 99.9% gold. You know, they've, they've removed um, all the infirmities out of it that we can humanly poss do um, possibly. And uh, what, what were to happen if you would remove all 100%, as you noticed in Revelation, it says that this, it is made out of gold, but it is clear as glass. You know, when we have gold, we wear those chains and other things and the rings. We, you know, my ring is gold. It's, but it's not clear. You know, why is that? It's because the dirt inside the gold is what makes it shiny. That's what we actually like, is the, the dirt, you know. Let that sink in for a little bit. You, you pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for the dirt inside the gold. But, but the reality is, if you were to take uh, the gold that is in Fort Knox, it would have a, a, an estimated weight of 5,050 tons. You know, think about that. An average elephant weighs two tons. You can... You can Ponder the math of uh, how much gold that is. It has an approximate value of 173 billion dollars. That's a lot of money in gold. And, the, and it also would be five percent of all the gold ever found in the history of the world is in Fort Knox. Is in that base. You know, it's no wonder that it's well guarded. It has the, the gold vault is lined with granite walls that are are blast proof. You can literally put C4 outside these walls and blow it up, and your walls will not move. You know, these walls are thick. Nobody's going to, to be able to make a raid on Fort Knox. And that's why it can only be done in movies. Uh, you know, people, cannot, people cannot be trusted. So there are ten guards to this vault. And so it's a ten-code vault. There has to be ten codes put in simultaneously. And each guard is only allowed to know one code. And so there are ten guards. And, and when they go in, the only time anyone goes in is when they do inspections of the gold to, to verify that, that the gold is, um, is pure. And they, they do this like once every 10 years, they'll take a few of the, the gold bricks out to, to test it. Um, and so you have these 10, 10 guards that will come and then they'll put their codes in because our government does not trust us, nor should we trust us because we as human beings, we are sinful and prideful and, and that's a lot of money. So you can understand why the government is very restricted. It's one of the very few uh, government buildings you are never allowed to take a tour of. You cannot go to Fort Knox and be like, I'd like to say, see the gold. You know, it doesn't happen. They won't let you in. Uh, and this, this uh, I think, tells us a little bit about ourselves. But the reason I bring up all this gold, if, if you were to take all the gold in Fort Knox, melt it down into a cube like we see described in Revelation, how, how big do you think that would be? You, you can make a, a, a gold cube 20 feet wide by 20 feet long by 20 feet high. That is a lot of gold. That would be above our roof. That, that, that would be considerable. You, you, would, you would not need to work again if you had that in your possession. Okay, now you got that picture in your mind. So I'll give you a picture of what it would be if you had all the gold in the entire earth that we have ever discovered what it would be. It would be 65 feet long by 65 feet wide by 65 feet high. So I, I know it uses those fancy words, stadia, you know, and a lot of times you read those words like, what in the world is a stadia? So how high do you think uh, Jerusalem, New Jerusalem will be? 
hundred and in, in miles, it will be one thousand five hundred miles long, one thousand five hundred miles wide, one thousand five hundred miles tall. Just to give you an idea, if you were to go up one thousand five hundred miles, you're approaching outer space. If you were to take the Sears Tower, who's who's ever seen the Sears Tower in person? Not just on TV. I remember being a teenager going there and looking up and. You look at it so tall when you're standing next to it, you kind of like crouch down because you get, get a little bit of fear of heights or something happens there. And so if you were to take 6,000 Sears Towers and stack them on top of each other, that is the height of New Jerusalem. There are going to be many saints. When Christ says, I've gone to prepare a place for you, he was not kidding. He is preparing a place for you, and it is going to be absolutely beautiful. Amen. So I want you to, to understand, and you guys could go ahead and show the, the picture of New Jerusalem I have. If you were to if it were to be over the top of the United States, that's the size of the city. It takes up two thirds of the United States. It is a, a massive city, and so um, you know someday we could talk about whether the the new Earth will be much larger. It, it appears to be so that or New Jerusalem is going to take up like a, an eighth of the, of the planet. But but either way, you could see the, the glorious uh, future that that awaits us as saints. Oftentimes we'll stand up here, especially us as preachers. I will rightly warn you about the, the fires of hell. I will warn you what your consequences of sin will bring you about. But today I hope to give you a picture of the majesty of God. And that is what should desire to, to draw you into God's presence. You know, hell, should, hell should scare you away from your sin. But when you see the glory of God and see the majesty that is going on, it, it should draw you to God. You should want to be with God forever. This is a gift He is giving to his son and the church, his bride. Notice here in, in this part of Revelation that uh, the bride is not just called the bride anymore. She is called the wife of the lamb. The marriage has taken place. It's beautiful. And now the, the wedding present from the father is given. You know, sometimes if, if you're lucky in life, you, you may be a father that's be able to, to give a house to the newly married couple. But here, you know, God doesn't just give a house. He gives the entire city. And it is beautiful. You think about, we can't even calculate the amount of wealth that, that would be involved. And I want you to understand that the thing in life that, that we tend to value as humans, that, that we base our dollar system and things on, is the gold system. And the reality, the thing that we, we base on is the stuff you'll be walking on as dirt in New Jerusalem. Now think about people that, that shoot and kill each other over gold. You go back as my childhood and watch the A-Team with Mr. T, who we pities the fool, and he's got all the gold chains around his neck. In New Jerusalem, he'd be wearing dirt. I want you to think about that and realize the, the value system here. And understand that what God has for you is so much beyond comprehension that the things you value now, you, you'll look at and be like, why? What was I doing with my life that I put so much time and effort into acquiring treasure that does not last? What's going to last? When we look, we, we talk about uh, the temple in Solomon's day. People went to the temple and, and they wanted to worship God in the temple and, and they saw and, and they were amazed at the majesty of the temple. And today people go to the Temple Mount, which is really the, the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall as it's known. This is, was a base wall to that temple, to, to the structure that would have held the temple. People go there and they pray and they have these emotional experiences but the reality is something as far greater is awaiting you. What is that? That there will be no temple in New Jerusalem because Christ is there living forever. He is the temple. Amen. 
Kids, you'll never have to be afraid of the dark again. And you few adults that are still afraid of the dark, you won't have to be afraid of the dark. You won't have to worry about tomorrow and the sun going out because the sun will never go out. Amen. The sun is literally the son of God. Amen. And his light will, will, will uh, illuminate the entire world forever. There will be no, no more night. You know, and, and as we, we look at the, the many things that, that go on here, uh, I want us to, to realize that one of the things in the Old Testament that, that was forbidden was to look upon the face of God. We see Moses going up the mountain and he is instructed to turn his face away for if he sees the, the glory of God, if he sees his face, that he will be struck down dead. But he's permitted to, to look away and, and the light will pass over Moses and he can see the light that's reflective of God's glory. But what we see here is that you are allowed to approach God. You are allowed to be in his presence. For there is no more sin. It is gone. Death is gone. Amen? Amen. Who's tired of death? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I know you are. I'm tired of cancer. I'm tired of death. I'm tired of disease. I'm tired of sin. I'm tired of hate. As I know many of you mentioned, we've, we've had over the last two weeks some, some things going on in our country that quite frankly makes me sick. Just makes me sick. But I want to tell you whether you're for or against statues and all that, in the end it doesn't matter. Amen. There's going to be a new heaven and new earth and this one will be consumed by fire. What I want to tell you as Christians is you are forbidden to hate. You are called to love. Amen. So for the people that were down in Charlottesville saying we will not be replaced by Jews, understand two things very clearly. As a Christian, you are required to pray for them. You are required to love them. If you are not willing to do these things, you can no longer call yourself a Christian. Amen. Amen. That is what Christ has declared. That is what Scripture declares. And quite clearly for, for those gentlemen, really pray for them. Because the day is going to come where they stand before the king of all kings who is a Jewish carpenter. That's right. Understand what they're saying. They're rejecting Christ. They, they, they are also rejecting humanity. Humanity wants to argue and fight about what race is better or cultures and all that. Yeah, I, I said this in Sunday school. There is no such thing as the white man and the black man and the brown man. There is only one race. It is the human race. Amen. The rest of those are divisions and lies from the devil. Amen. And as Christians, you need to stand up and tell people to shut up. Amen. You need to. Because we have all been made in the image of God. And if you degrade somebody who has been made in the image of God, you're degrading God himself. And you will stand before him. And what will you give an account to say? Amen. What we saw down in Charlottesville was hateful people protesting in peace and they were met by what I believe to be loving people acting out in violence both of those should be condemned what part of turning the other cheek do we not understand we are not to be taken up in arms and killing people and that is what our country wants they want us divided I remind you you are called to pray for your president whether you like him or not he's not the favorite favorite man I've ever come across but God has appointed him our president. We are to pray for him. Amen. And you're not to call him a Nazi. You don't get that right. Understand Satan, the most evil creature in all of creation, when he is contending with Michael over the body of Moses. What does Michael say to him? The Lord rebuke you. He does not lay one accusation at Satan. So understand very clearly our responsibility as Christians 
is to call out evil, to call sin for sin, to pray for those who are sinning and share the gospel with them and remind them that that Jewish man they don't like so much is coming again to judge them for their sins. He is the King of all kings and Lord of all lords. We cannot sit by and, and allow our, our brothers to be belittled. And people want us to stand up and condemn what has been condemned. The Southern Baptist churches have condemned the alt-right already. I, I find it repugnant that some people say that if we don't condemn something verbally every single week, that somehow we're for it. It's ridiculous. A day is coming where, where Christ will come again. His promises to the Jewish people will be fulfilled. Amen. If you have problems with the Jewish people, you have problems with God. Amen. They are the apple of his eye. If you have problems with black people, you have a problem with God. They are made in his image. You have a problem with white people, you have a problem with God. They are made in his image. Amen. Amen. This very week, we, we had a, a, uh, a news station that's well known to all of you, CBS. They put out this great story and wanted it to be praised. Thankfully, it was condemned by most. They said over in Iceland this week that they have found a cure for Down syndrome. That not one person in Iceland was born with Down syndrome. You know what their cure was? Abortion. They were offering abortion as a cure. The reality is the mentality in Iceland would see me killed. I was born with epilepsy. It's a condition they could test for. And they would have given my mother a choice. That is not a choice. To kill someone that has been made in the image of God? What are you doing? We have to stand up and say this is wrong. This is not about politics. This, I will never allow this to be a Republican or Democrat church. Amen. I despise both parties, if I'm quite honest. Amen. Because there cannot be division in the body of Christ. Amen. We are a community of believers. You cannot have community without unity. We need to stand up and, and be for Christ what he has called us to be. He did not placate. He didn't say, well, you guys be Pharisees, you guys be Sadducees. Those were the Republicans and Democrats of his day. He called them both sinners. He told them both to repent. Our country needs to repent and turn back to God. Amen. You and I, we need not to be divided with what's going on in politics and what the latest trend and fad is. We need to look at the Word of God and say, God is what is worthy. Amen. What is the treasure in the new earth? Right, you know, I've spoken of, of gold here. But what is the treasure of the new earth? What is the thing that it surpasses all value? That you'd want more than anything? It, it is God. God is the treasure of the new earth. That is what we should long for. That is what we should plead for. That is what we should invest all our time for. We, we should not go about this world and, and working night and day just to pay off a house that could be taken away. Or a best case scenario, you, you, you pass away and that's no longer your house. God says, put your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. Stop worrying about what car you drive, what neighborhood you live in. Understand that, that God is able to do so much for you. Amen. And he asks you to live for him now. Amen. Not wait till you, you got this bill paid off and that bill paid off. Or wait till you're retired and you got more free time. He says, do it for me now. If we're honest, Jesus' call to follow him is not easy. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Amen. But he's saying, follow me, and I'll have you share the gospel. When's the last time you shared the gospel, honestly? As Christians, we, we usually don't do it all that much, if at all. He says, if you're ashamed of me, you could have no part of me. 
to the rich young ruler who was not willing to, to give up the, his financial gain that he had acquired in life. He said, you have no part of me. Understand it's all the way with Jesus or none at all. So whatever your agenda is, you know, oftentimes we, we hear in our society today that say, they'll say I'm pro-life or I'm pro-choice uh, or I'm pro-LGBT. or they, they have all these terms. You know, they'll, they'll identify ourselves with whether we're male or female, whether we're, we're straight or homosexual. They got all these things. These are all things that divide by Satan to divide us. You are none of those things. Why? Because you're a Christian. That is your identity. Amen. So if you call yourself a Christian, let that be enough. Stop dividing yourself on political lines. Stop getting into tantrums on Facebook about what you think about people. You represent Christ. It is not a joke. That same Christ you represent, you will stand before. Will you be able to stand before him proud of how you lived your life? Did you bring glory with your life? If you were to go home today, or if Christ were to call, uh, call his church home this day, would you go? Would you be called home as part of his bride? Or would you be left living like the world? You could fool me, you could fool Brother Darren, you could fool the elders of the church, you could fool your families, you could fool your friends. You might even be a fool police and things like that, but you are not going to fool God. Amen. Right. He is not to be trifled with, he is not to be fooled with. We need to have a reverent fear for him. And understand that He is the one who is in control of the world. That He is the one that is going to establish the new heaven and the new earth. I want to quickly go over what is new in the new heaven and new earth. Obviously, the new heaven, the heavens are new and the earth is new. There is something I want to point out that is not new. There is one thing of the old order that is not destroyed. Anybody want to guess? Don't guess if you're in Sunday school because I told you. What is not destroyed? The earth will be destroyed. The heavens will be consumed with fire. What will not be destroyed? It has to do with fire. You can get this. Come on. It's the lake of fire. It's hell. Hell is the one thing that is not done away with. Because it is eternal. Satan and his demons will get an eternal justice. And you and I, you know, we often talk about, how can I be happy in heaven if my loved one is in hell? The question you should be asking is, you know, is God being glorified? You know, because what we're really saying that is, you know, I, I know I have a loved one who is blaspheming God every day of their life, and they, they deserve hell, as do I, but for the grace of God I have been saved. But there's part of us says, I want my, my friend to be saved as well. Why? Because we love them. Understand clearly God loves them more than you do. He sent his son to die for them. But at the same time, God has to have justice for his name being blasphemed. If we do not, if we want to deny God justice, we are denying our love for him. We need to make sure that our love for God trumps all else. It trumps family, it trumps friends, it trumps politics. That it should be above all else. You see the new that there'll be a new people of God. That the the phrase in Romans that Paul uses that there will be no more Jew nor Greek or Gentile. This is what he's talking about in the new heavens. That In the new heavens and new earth there is there's no more status between humanity. We are all the children of God. Praising and worshiping God. Enjoying fellowship together. Living together in harmony. But I, I want to point out the, the verses where, where here he speaks of that um, those that will not inherit. 
will not enter into the new heaven and new earth. I'm going to focus on one because it is first. You know, we, we could talk about, you know, we, we have our, our pet sins. We like to pick on the, the, this, um, the sexual sins and the things like that. But the reality, what does God point out here? The cowards. The cowards will have no place in the new heaven and new earth. They're fearful. They're not willing to take a stand for Christ. I know many people who like the idea of Jesus. You know, they, 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 wanna, they want Jesus in their life, like they want a BMW in their life. But the reality is they don't want to stand up for Jesus. They want what Jesus could give them, but they aren't willing to give themselves back. So I, I asked that question earlier. Are you in awe of Jesus? For if you're in awe of Jesus, you should want to give your entire life to him. All that you have, every waking moment, every second you have left in this life, it should be given to God. To give him glory and praise above all else. But too many of us, we don't. We spend too much time giving ourselves that glory. As we spoke of, there'll be the new Jerusalem, beyond beauty. There'll be the new paradise. What I read in chapters 21 22 sounds a lot like the Garden of Eden to me. Where there'll be no more of this, there'll be no more anger between, between the animals and humanity, where it's just humanity walking with their God, fellowshipping with their God, worshiping Him. There's no fear of death. There's no, no fear of ISIS and some terrorist group out there. That, that is no more. You don't have to worry about what you're going to turn on the news. I tell people today, turn off the news. Open your Bible. Let God comfort you. Do not fear anything. As, as we look, I'm going to read now from the, the final part of Revelation 22. This is the final message given in Scripture to the church. Starting in verse 6. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take the place. And behold, I am coming soon. Amen. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers the prophets and with those who keep the words of the book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers evil still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may, may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral, the murderers and the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root of the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. That is how the Holy Scriptures end. And uh, I'm sure you, you've noticed when, when we read in the New Testament, especially the Gospels, is when Jesus had something very important to say, how would he start out? Truly, 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 or 
the King James, verily, verily, verily. You know, he would start out with repeating something three times. I would have you know three times he is saying, I am coming, I am coming, I am coming. He is telling you with all assurance that it, that is the greatest testimony in the Jewish culture when they would sit down and repeat themselves. They're saying, what I am saying is absolutely important. It is the final thing Jesus says. I am coming again. Amen. Amen. And John replies, come again, Lord Jesus. And the church replies, come again. And notice what it says in the very end, that the Lamb and His bride say, come. Who is the bride? We are the bride. The church is the bride. So Jesus is telling you, He is coming again. He is bringing His recompense with Him to do right for everyone who has done right. And for all those who have done evil, they will receive their just rewards. Reality is, He is offering you freely to come partake of the waters of life. He is allowing you to come to partake of the tree of life. If you go back into the Garden of Eden, very early on, we, we, we see that there's a tree of life and a tree of knowledge. And Adam sins and he partakes of the tree of knowledge and his mind is opened up and he now knows good and evil. He knows what sin is and he knows he has transgressed God's law. Part of the reason he is kicked out of Eden is to forbid him from eating from the tree of life. Why? Because then he would be immortal, stuck in his sin nature. How horrendous. A lot of times people look at this and see God judging Adam and being unfair that he just cast him out into the wilderness. Understand what Adam received was grace. And what God has offered you today is grace. When he sent his son on the cross, we look at it and humanity will say, that is horrible. How would a father be pleased that his son is crushed and bruised and, and murdered? But it is for you and for your grace because how much God loves you. So understand, when you see the evil of this world and and brother, I, I see the evil in this world. Pray for the evil. Because a day is coming where the evil will be vanquished. And those that are still doing evil will be sent to hell. It brings us no joy seeing or thinking of anyone going to hell. Especially when they can freely enter into the gates. They're, they're open wide. The, the grace of God is compelling you to come on in. Under, understand clearly as Christians our responsibility is to not be cowards to stand up and preach the gospel, to go into the, the highways and byways of this world, to go to your workplaces, to go to your family. When, when you're having meals, share the gospel. I've had many people not want to speak to me for the gospel's sake. And to that I say amen. Because at least I was obedient to what God has done. And I pray a day will come where God will bring someone else into their lives so that my family and friends, or those who used to be friends, will come to, to know God. And at least in eternity, we can fellowship together. We, we need to stand strong and stand up for what is right. For what God has called good, we will stand up for. And what God has called evil, we will call evil. We will not placate. We will not compromise. We will stand up for what is right. We see here, as, as I close, that, uh, that God says, it is done. Very similar to Christ's words on the cross. It is finished. All that God has sought out to do, we often will talk about, why did God create us knowing that we would sin? If you look at Revelation 21 and 22, it's with glory and eternity in mind that we would be a redeemed people walking with God where their sin could be no more, where Satan could have no more effect. That is what God was looking at. You know, I want you to understand that the phrase of John 3.16, For God so loved the world. When he says the world, he is not speaking of this earth. He is not speaking of the trees and the squirrels. 
and the fish and all those things. He is speaking solely of you. God so loves you that he sent his one and only son. Christ dying on the cross does not, does not save the trees. It does not save the oceans or anything there like, like it. It saves you and you alone when you place your faith in Christ. But I leave you with one question as we close in prayer. If you have not placed your faith in Christ, what will you speak to him when he, you are standing before him to judge you? Think about that for a moment. Because you will not only answer for all your sins, but you will ask for, for why he died on the cross for you, and you rejected the free gift of salvation. You rejected God. Let us pray. Our Father, Lord Jesus, I give you thanks for this day. I give you thanks for your holy word, Lord. I pray if there's anyone here that does not know you, that today may be the day that they accept your grace and enter into it, Lord. I pray that we, as a church, can be strong and stand up for what is right, to do the right thing, even when it's hard, Lord. That we will be obedient to you and have courage, and not be fearful and not be divided. Be a, a united community after you, God. We pray and long for that day where you'll call us home. But until that day is here, let us serve you faithfully and forever. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen.